Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Hey, what's going on? Thanks a lot for joining us, guys. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today on the podcast, we're going to be discussing the music of one of the greatest video game soundtracks of all time. This is The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. And much like the title of this game, this entire series, and this soundtrack in particular, is absolutely legendary. Yeah, this we've been looking forward to this. Not just looking forward to it, but we've had it planned. We've had it on the back burners for years, almost ever since the very beginning of the podcast. Right. This has been Will's, maybe his favorite soundtrack, uh, personally for him, for years. Yeah, and I, I might think, say this. I, I would just, if I had to, if someone asked me right now, what's the greatest video game soundtrack, I would have to say Link to the Past. Because, um, well, obviously the Zelda music seems to be you know renowned for being some of the best music in games um but the thing that i find interesting is a lot of people uh based on what i've seen gravitate a lot to ocarina of time which is a exquisite and wonderful soundtrack but what's interesting so is unique how many of those themes came from this exactly game? and i think like, a I lot of like... people aren't as aware of this because ocarina of time was so um important in the series and is such a benchmark for gaming in general but link to the past really introduced a lot of themes that were almost more popularized in ocarina um an example to me would be uh the zelda's lullaby theme from ocarina of time it's in this game and you don't really get the full version until you rescue Zelda yeah, I would at say the end. The three big themes that came out of this game that were used in so many Zelda games in the future would be that, Kakariko Village, and the, and fairy. the fairy fountain yeah. theme. I mean, even if that soundtrack only had those three themes, it would be a great soundtrack. Yeah, those are some of the most classic themes in all of gaming. But, but what's, what's interesting to me about this soundtrack is this is such an interesting era of Koji Kondo because one thing I wanted to mention up front is that at this point, this game came out in 1991, right, Will? Yes. Uh, so for Koji Kondo, at this point, this was by far the biggest, most daunting project he had ever worked on. When you think about how many tracks there are, he right. hadn't done anything this big before. The first Zelda, think of how many tracks there were. Were there maybe eight or nine pieces of music? Something around there, yeah. This is like, what, 30? 32? I mean, there's different variations. Yeah, yeah. There's That's a lot huge of music. for, you know, for a 1991 game. Well, and we also have to remember, he was also doing sound as well as music, and this is the 16-bit era, so as many sound effects as would have been in an 8-bit game, I mean, you can imagine this would be so much more expansive, and it has to use the same instrumentation uh, that uh, the music is done with, um, with that samples and stuff. Yeah, and speaking of the samples, another thing that's important in the context of when this game came out, this is a very early Super Nintendo game. One of the first... Uh, games he ever worked on on the Super Nintendo. You know, he had done Mario World before this. So, so you know, I think when you go back and listen to this versus something that came out in 1995, obviously it's a little bit more primitive in how it uses the samples, especially in like the string samples. Um, but I think it's so impressive that the music sounds fairly comfortable and confident on this very oh, new technology. Well, I feel like Koji Kondo laid out what, you know, SNES music was gonna sound like because so many RPGs yeah. and so many, you know, games like this were influenced by you know the art style of Link to the Past and I think the music just uh, he really solidified that you know the Super Nintendo is the number one spot to go for orchestral yeah, to, music that sounds. was taken seriously this was definitely a turning point in the history of video game music absolutely well, one thing I want to talk about we played in with the Hyrule Field theme which is uh, th it's borrowed from the original Legend of Zelda it's considered that Zelda main theme one of the greatest mm -hmm. most iconic pieces in all of gaming uh, but what I like 
like is the version that we're introduced to in this game is sort of a new orchestration. And to me, it introduces right. some uh, counterpoint and counter lines that really have stuck with that piece over time. And now when I hear modern like orchestral arrangements or uh, versions in the new Zelda score, it seems like they're more you based mean like off how, this Link to the Past How version. he's doing that round where he's having one melody yeah. and then having another melody kind of like later on well, in the measure? I, the, the original 8-bit one has a little bit of that round but just as far as you know that he's not limited to three voices anymore mm -hmm. so he can have different parts and different chord moments and so i feel like now when we hear a zelda theme done orchestrated it feels very much like it's it's coming yeah. from this another thing i like about this hyrule field main theme is this was fairly early in the history of video game music to have a remix of an earlier track that isn't super faithful to the original. Like, it's really trying to do different things. It's trying to, like, build on your nostalgia of remembering that theme, but trying to, to twist it and turn. I think that's pretty early to do that because I think that is something that can create a really powerful emotion if you remember that theme from five years earlier or for four, three years earlier, whenever right. the first Zelda came out. I think in 1991, that's that's pretty awesome that he was able to realize how important that was. But it also doesn't was. feel like it's, like, it's change for change's sake he doesn't change up the melody the melody is the constant and i think that's what i really uh, appreciate about it well let's get going here so guys this is a spotlight episode we've done in the, uh, them in the past we did one on ocarina we've done one on chrono trigger we've done so many spotlights where we play almost every piece of music from one game so let's get started here we're going to start things off with the title one of the first things you hear of from a link to the past and right after that we're going to go right into one of the first tracks you hear which is kind of the opening demo it's called seal of the seven maidens let's take Take a listen. Listening to Seal of the Seven Maidens, one of the very first pieces of music you hear in A Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, of course, composed by Koji Kondo. And right before this, we heard the title. Oh my gosh. I this think is, one of the most. <laughs> this is nostalgic for me because I played, I tried to start this game probably like 10 times. So I heard this piece a lot because this is the opening cutscene. So even for me, who you guys all know, I'm not really hugely into Zelda, actually, the game, this is a nostalgic piece for me. 
Yeah, I, I, I love the way it works because uh, the main core, uh, the chord progressions and the, sort of the core of this piece is used in uh, sort of the whole introduction of the game. Um, mm -hmm. It's called like Theme of the Falling Rain or whatever. Right. Um, and it's just sort of that oscillating uh, chord progression and then it modulates up and up and up and up. Uh, and it works really well. But what's really cool is hearing it uh, in this context. I think one of the most striking things about it is the change uh, to the 3-4 time with the... Da, da, yeah, that's so brilliant da, da, and effortless. Yeah, you almost da. don't even notice. Well, that yeah, it's I think having the sort of uh, the ostinato, the really kind and, of. And let's talk about it. that. I think that is so quirky and cool. What do you think that is trying to be? If that was an actual orchestra playing that, I think it's trying to go for sort of like a tremolo string sound. Okay, all right, that's so interesting because it sounds like almost like a shrill electronic instrument. Just the way that the well, SNES cool, treats it, it. This whole. Um, in intro theme it's all one instrument it's all the same sample mm -hmm. it's all just that same string sample. yeah that's true so the reason why it sounds so kind of digital and harsh is because it's just playing the same instrument sample again and again at a really fast you frequency. Know, you know what i think was so effective is i have so many memories listening to this with that really classic rain sound effect throughout the whole track well that's yeah that that's sort of for the the next theme which mm -hmm. is a little bit similar i didn't include it on the playlist isn't because it i feel like it's this exactly artist. the same song it's not um it, it's only do 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 oh do, so it doesn't have that do, do, three four part do, do, do. but the melody never comes in okay um, uh, and then it also has horns in it, so okay. there's a little bit added instrumentation. And there's two versions. There's so one it's just kind of more like a background or... version of this kind of sort of down, yeah. It's, yeah. It's just it's I, what I like about it. It it is uh, it feels like film score in the sense that it's almost like this theme is being adapted and changing through yeah, the game. So it's really cool. How another it works. thing we want to mention about the titles uh, today is there's so many different. It's kind of weird with this game. There's so many different titles of these tracks that people know. We're gonna go with the official titles from the official soundtrack. So so yeah, these are on the yeah. SPC file. So this would be what Koji Kondo uh, probably would have named it mm -hmm. himself. Um, but yeah, this is a fantastic track, a legendary. This is probably my favorite era in Koji Kondo's melodic writing. And really, this kind of gets things going where it's like, okay, I know what I'm in for. This is going to be uh, the next level of Zelda from a musical standpoint, too. It's really just like taking it to the next level. Well, and this is um, one of the first Zeldas where we get sort of a sense of backstory of the kingdom of Hyrule. And mm -hmm. this whole cutscene is so cinematic and epic for fans of the series up to this point. This is really sort of an important moment and for anyone who's played this game this is just um locked in your memory this will never go away so now let's move on to a track called majestic castle obviously a lot of people just know this as the castle theme or hyrule castle or hyrule castle so let's take a listen to this piece Thank you. 
You're listening to Majestic Castle from Link to the Past, composed by Koji Kondo. Oh, man. I think, for me, the most catchy thing about this piece is that the use of the samples do that portamento slide, that It's really evoking performance, you know, because if a violin player were to play that, obviously you'd, you'd be on the string and you'd slide down to that note. And I think it's just so... It's so impressive that he's able to evoke... You know exactly what he's going for, even though it's on this very limited hardware. Well, I think also, even if he wasn't using a string sound, it just feels natural for the melody. To it's slide more mysterious. Down there because that way. we hear those two intervals again and again before the rest of the melody introduces itself. Mm-hmm. And so it would get kind of tiresome to have da, 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 da. Yeah, da, what I'll say like, is this part is my favorite part of the piece, though. What do you think about this part? Yeah, I mean, I love the whole thing. Um, this is so good. But this reminds I, I me think of I'm more drawn Koji to Kondo the, the A section. For some melody. reason, this part always reminded me of the original Legend of Zelda. It almost feels like it could be like an alternate version of like the classic dungeon theme from yeah, the first one. Yeah, to me, this, I, this reminds me a little bit more of his work on sort of the um, like Shin Onigashima okay. or Morisami Joe. Yeah, this uh, this era is such a such a great era for Koji Kondo because this was about like a year, I think only like a year after he did Shin Onigashima. Um, like a year after Mario 3 even. So, yeah, um, crazy. very early on the Super Nintendo, uh, which is, again, such a great time to he be a fan busy of He was busy around yeah. this time. Cause think about Mario 3 came out. Mario World, I feel like, came out pretty quickly after 3. Exactly, Shino- launch game of yeah. the Super Nintendo. Shin Onigashima, this. I mean, he was busy. And he was doing a lot of sound implementation yeah. for early SNES games, such as Pilot Wings and Star Fox. He was helping a lot of people. I don't know if Star Fox was early, but yeah, he did. That was a game where he only did sound effects. Mm-hmm. And you're right about Pilot Wings doing sound effects. Cool. Well, yeah, that's such a classic track. So good. Um, let's it's move so on. It's so fun to have a soundtrack of all Koji yeah, Kondo this, music. I'm already I mean. having a blast. This is going to be such a great episode. I'm just looking at this playlist, and it's like track after track of some of the most classic... Uh, game music ever let's move on to a track called safety in the sanctuary some people know this as the church theme is that or right just Will? the sanctuary theme in the game it's referred to as a sanctuary okay cool well let's take a listen Listening to Safety in the Sanctuary, composed by Koji Kondo. What I love about this piece is I he definitely is going for sort of uh, sort of like almost a fugue like quality in this well, melody. It's but, no surprise it's very church like, right? It's yeah. a theme of a church, you know. 
but I, I, these samples I think are trying to um, sort of evoke a pipe organ a little bit, but it's very right kind of tragic and um, it's creepy too. I think something about the way these samples are implemented, this is kind of scary. Well, I think part of it is the function of the sanctuary in the story um, isn't sort of like a happy, safe place. When yeah. you first go there, um, you find sort of the priest. Uh, there and he tells you that Zelda has been kidnapped and things like that so it's never really like a positive experience being in there and it really fits the emotional tone in the story at that moment which is, is so effective because in a game like this though there are story elements they're kind of few and far between there's not as much dialogue as oh, yeah, in a typical like RPG um, you have to think about this is really early you know but that's why the music really um, does a lot of the emoting for the game and this piece is so perfect at its place in the story just especially when that melody comes in then da 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 I like da, um, da, da, this was a piece da, da. that for me for so many years was overlooked I never really enjoyed it that much I don't think I gave it a chance really and one thing that I'm listening to it now that I really enjoy and I really think is interesting is how the notes sustain and create dissonance more and more with every other note that comes in it's really interesting well, and it's another example of Koji Kondo um, writing a melody with an arpeggio where every note not only gives you a sense of of harmonics but also is so uh melodic in its nature too mm-hmm. it's integral yeah that's you so know, interesting it's, it's one it's like he has so many melodies like that but that whole arpeggiated sequence feels as much of the melody it's not just like the top note with arpeggios underneath yeah, i don't I know think, how he's able to do it but he's just a master i of think that he's an arpeggio king Koji the Kondo. other thing is i feel like this piece uh is sort of an early version of the style of something that we'd get like the temple of time or something in like a later zelda game i think of you're right about sort that. of a reverby sustained this really would fit right in piece. in ocarina wouldn't it one of the temple yeah. themes that's cool. Well, now it's time to move on to one of the most famous and revered pieces of music in this game. This really holds up well. It's so pretty and simple. This is Kakariko Village. Let's take a listen.
Yeah, this is really a lullaby, isn't it? This is Kakariko Village from A Link to the Past, composed by Koji Kondo. And one thing Will was noticing is his restraint, the chords that he chooses not to go to, to mm -hmm. make it more simple and lullaby-like. Do you want to talk about that, Will? Well, yeah, there's a few moments, um, specifically right before the bridge section, I feel... Um uh, it might have been natural to want to go to the dominant seventh there to lead into it. But he doesn't. Um, but he doesn't. I love it. He only uses that chord at one point in the piece, mm -hmm. and um, it's at a very crucial turnaround. And it's so much more emotionally satisfying because he hasn't given a to us up to this mm -hmm. point and the chords and just the way that it's played is very simple and the instrumentation of this obviously still has the strings and um, the woodwinds and the orchestral things that we've come to expect from this soundtrack but the nature of the writing is much more kind of keyboard piano centric yeah I think he does the dominant seventh in the very beginning the arpeggio section that has it obviously it has the five seven but once the melody comes in you're right before the bridge, he doesn't go to that five. He stays on the chord before, and then it, you're right. It's so effective when you hear it later on. Yeah, I think he goes to the five, but he doesn't use mm -hmm. the dominant seventh in the chord. Um, and that that's the thing that I just noticed listening to that really surprised me because it's always sort of something in my head. Mm -hmm. I always feel like when I remember it, that's sort of an inner voice mm -hmm. that I can hear there. But I was really surprised listening back to it of just how uh, simple it was, and it it's so perfect because that that melody reminds me of a lot of great Kondo melodies. Well, we've talked so many times about in the past of Koji Kondo's gift for lullaby-like melodies, very simple, child-friendly pieces of music that you could sing to a baby to lull it to sleep. This is maybe the most extreme example of that. We talked about that at the credits of Yoshi's Island before. We've talked about it uh, at the intro to Yoshi's Island. There's so many pieces but in this But to me, era. it's like the, the, the confidence in his melodies are almost like everything feels so great and effortless it's almost this complete package but when you look at the melody the thing that just always astounds me is they're almost unaware of the chords the melodies are just doing what well, the melodies what, want to do and the chords are forming around what i think it. is great about koji kondo especially in this era is you could sing the melody by itself and it's very interesting you don't need anything else exactly. to it but it definitely fits the chords well i what i like about this melody is how the bottom note is the same dun, 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 dun. it's like exactly it's just well, that's sort of what i'm brilliant. talking about how it feels like it's ignoring the chords because if someone was yeah. just going through and playing progressions and writing a melody to it they you know they would base their melodic choices of, oh now we're changing to this chord so i can only use these notes but he has such a confidence in his melodic writing and it's not about doing something extreme or dissonant or something it's just about I don't know. He, he knows exactly when to kind of ignore the surrounding colors because his melodies, like you said, that you can sing them on their own because they're their own independent thing. They're not dependent on the chords. The chords and all the harmony is supporting the melody. The melodies are completely unique and on their own, and they're so center stage in all of his music. And that's something that I just really admire because I imagine it takes so much craft or just, you know, that mixed with the Raw brain talent. of a master. I think it's a lot of talent. So let's move on to a very interesting piece. This is Lost Ancient Ruins. Yeah, this is sort of uh, the early kind of dungeons that you go to in the game when you're in the light world. All right, let's take a listen.
And that is an interesting piece of music, really revolutionary. 1991, it's crazy how avant-garde and sophisticated this piece of music is. Obviously, like you said, this is kind of for the dungeon, so this is a very scary part of the game. Yeah, the whole but, uh, beginning wow. section is uh, atonal. Um, it's very similar to actually the castle theme from Mario 3. Yeah, the first many... three notes are actually the same intervals of that theme. Da, 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 yeah, one da. thing that... Oh, yeah, that's a very good point, very good observation, but how many pieces of music in video games at this point had done atonalism effectively you know because yeah. obviously there are composers that were just doing random notes or and honestly didn't have really even doing craft. it at all you know? yeah i just think to not only to do it but to do it the same way that you might do it in a film score and, and I think it's these are examples that powerful. people forget if there's any sort of backlash against Koji Kondo when people are sick of hearing the Zelda theme. And yeah, this Super is a Mario side of Koji theme. Kondo it's people like, do not talk about. I think people assume, oh, he only does the catchy stuff. And thus they assume, oh, it must be easy. And he's just doing, you know, these well, baby songs. Well, but it's just so not true. Another thing that I think is so effective is if you think about just this soundtrack, the fact that he has tracks like this, Lost Ancient Ruins, very he has tracks that are very ominous and creepy. The pretty simple tracks like Kakariko Village are that much more effective because, the, to, you know, if you were in the dungeon listening to this and all of a sudden you hear Kakariko Village, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's a respite. Well, I can that relax now. The thing that I really now. love is that all the music is perfectly fitted to the scenery, um, but even the dissonant stuff is still engaging. You know, it doesn't feel random. It doesn't feel like a time for him to, like, turn his brain off or stop trying because once this piece gets into the groove, it's just as catchy as any other piece in the game and it's really it becomes yeah, sort love, of beautiful um, and mysterious I love and that the modulation is section. so natural my favorite thing about the second section is that yeah. great rhythms there well and what I love is the way it modulates back to the original sort of key or the original tone center yeah, that that's great. feels yeah, so you know, effortless it doesn't feel like this big mo like in Mega Man 2 you know the Dr. Wily stage 2 theme how it yeah. keeps going up when it goes back down it's this big moment mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. but what I love about this is when this modulates back it's so effortless well, it's almost like you don't know this is at all. kind of the heyday of creative looped video game music so the whole yeah. point is to try to make something loop that you can't really tell when it starts and ends one thing i think is interesting is earlier when we were playing one of the tracks i was saying why isn't there a project to orchestrate this entire soundtrack and will was saying that you know nintendo is just kind of protective of this music and they probably wouldn't have allowed it they're protective this of is, all of their copyrights what's interesting is i would actually want to hear this piece almost more than any other this is i would love to hear what this would sound like so anyway this guys really i think now it's time to move on to the next track this is anger of the Guardians. Here we go. Anger of the Guardians. This is the boss theme to Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Uh, this is such a great piece. I've always really admired it. It's so short. It's a really um, uh, not lengthy Very loop. short. 
Uh, but short. it's really catchy. It works really well, and I like the whole um, introductory fanfare. And it, it's perfect for these kind of boss fights. You know what's funny about this track, Will, is that um, I didn't really ever listen to this track that much. I mean, I, I feel familiar with it, but I never really spent a lot of time thinking about it. For me now, you know, if I was really stupid and I didn't understand history, I'd be like, oh, this sounds cliche like a typical boss theme. This is where it all started. This is the boss theme that I can't tell you how many games and composers were so influenced by this theme. How many boss themes after this were ripped offs of this? It's it's just almost crazy. I see what you're saying. Uh, the rhythms and just sort of the. I just feel like this is like prime for like boss music. I mean, he's so good at this kind of stuff, though. It, it reminds me a little bit uh, again, like the Mario Three final Bowser yeah. theme. The I don't know. I just feel like there's so many RPGs that have boss themes that are so similar to this to come, you know, in the future. Yeah, it's so great. It's 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 very simple. Um, it's I don't know. It, it's tied to some of my favorite memories of the game because the boss fights are some of the most novel and unique moments uh, in the entire experience and uh, some of them are really challenging so th- this emotion of this song is very unresolved and is perfect for this feeling because the tension of a boss fight you know you don't know if you're going to live or well, die. I have a question for you Will. How long are these boss? How long would you hear this? Would you say a minute? Uh, minute and a half? It really depends. Uh, it, it, they, they can be pretty lengthy depending how long you stay alive and how much potion you have. It's interesting <laughs> to me that it's so short and if you would listen to this for a long time I feel like that might get a little bit repetitive. Definitely not. I, I never... I, if it is, it's in a way that just... It feels natural because mm-hmm. a boss fight shouldn't have like to me it's like what i love about his boss they're so short and they perfectly capture the type of tension that you're experiencing when you're i guess playing you're right it. about that yeah i guess i think about even like the mario 64 main boss theme it's very short but yeah that never got old that definitely yeah. never i mean there's that, a different type of style of a boss fight there's a little bit more downtime the zelda bosses they're more intense it's like once you're in there yeah, you don't you're have time to think about that for being hurt there's no kind of downtime the bosses don't like charge yeah, well, up like a metroid boss if you guys are remember our ocarina of time spotlight one of the things we wanted to do is we wanted to play some of the very short jingles of that game because there's so many great pieces of music that were just like 10 seconds these yeah. really ca- we want to do that today too yeah, we're only gonna do bit. So, two and the, yeah let's do that right now yeah, they're two of my favorite fanfares in the game one of them would play and this is why we have it at this point uh in the show one of them when you beat would a boss. play when you beat a boss and it's so fitting so it's nice to play those back to back and the second one because we're not going to talk in between them the second one is when you uncover the master sword and you pull it out and this is a theme that they've used in every single zelda game since it's just so so classic classic. yeah let's let's take a listen to both of these little jingles we're gonna have great victory followed by unsealing the master sword That's just great. Similar to our track of the week jingle, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's so great at even these really short, iconic themes. They're some of the most iconic things of all of his music. Well, these these little jingles are actually very important for, for these games. You know, when you think about these, or like the ones we played in Ocarina, it's like, this is very important moments in the game. And if, if you have something that feels very triumphant, 
and you're already feeling a little bit of that emotion, this is the kind of thing that makes you want to keep with the adventure. Because let's say you're playing a boss, right, in this game, and it's really hard, it's really frustrating. Maybe you might give up, but if you do beat that boss and you hear music that's like, yes, you did it, and it's just well, like so epic, that's gonna, what's going to propel you to keep a, going. Such a wonderful knowledge of music and harmony. It feels like... We're so lucky for these experiences that we have him as the composer because in films, music doesn't serve the same role. You're you're happy for the triumph of the characters, but it's a different it's not thing about when it's you, your though. personal yeah. triumph. So to have his weight and his knowledge of music to come together well, with a, with a theme like that. Well, what I think what's different about films and video games is I think this is a reward. This is yeah. this is a musical thank you. It's like thanks for it's playing. So empowering. Here you go. I'm going to give you this little treat it's one of the just this very pretty piece of music that will just make you feel great you know yeah it, it just it's so yeah. perfect especially after such a repetitive and dissonant exactly track. it exactly. really feels like such a relief and again the way you use this modulation it's very it's a video game standard to have jingles like this when you beat a boss but this is one of the most satisfying and every game that koji kondo scores i feel like these are the moments that i really yeah, able and, to recognize and also i want to say in, in in that same sense this is almost like prime for that kind of a cliche or that kind of a tradition. Well, something that I really liked about Shovel Knight uh, was that the theme when you beat the bosses was really good. And that Mm -hmm. was something I look out for because a lot of composers don't pay much attention to that. But I remember that one being, you know, it really worked well. And I feel like that's an old video game mechanic that we don't have as much anymore. I agree. Well, now let's move on to a really cool track. This is Forest of Mystery. Some people know this as the Lost Woods theme. Yeah, this is just the Lost Woods. Let's take a listen. You guys just listened to The Forest of Mystery, composed by Koji Kondo, also known as the Lost Woods theme. His chord movement is so natural. All those borrowed chords feel so effortless, and like their emotional impacts are very significant, but they don't feel like amateurs. They're handled with such care and delicacy that they feel as integral to the key as like the chords that are in the key. It's really My favorite thing about this piece is the... (laughs) <laughs> that little flute thing that's so essential it's crazy how how important that little series of like little that little flutter on the flute is yeah. to this piece well, this the, this piece we've talked about it before but yeah. this is so reminiscent of forest of illusion for me from mm-hmm. super mario world it's a very similar era of koji kondo going for a mysterious forest theme it's so cool to hear um well, some that similar one have, ideas. i think that one also is mm-hmm. it does it's yeah. so cool i love hearing composers in one era where they try something out and they don't even maybe they're not conscious of it but they're going to keep trying it in different projects it's just real cool i think what's interesting is how different is this from the lost woods theme from ocarina it's so different isn't it uh yeah very very different but i feel like this is almost like um training grounds for that kind of theme that one's yep. a little bit more fun and pokey but they're both very mysterious something i love about this, this is track, another one that's so short he's such a it? master at you know taking the end of a melodic phrase kind of truncating it and 
using it again and again and with the descending chord progression that's a trait in a lot of great melodies but the way that he does it again feels so natural because it's working with all those kind of borrowed chords and moving back and forth up and down the scale um the and he knows exactly when to change it up you know he knows on that third time it needs to end the phrase and it needs to all feel natural and it never feels like a moment of like now i'm taking this phrase and i'm repeating it it just feels like a natural progression of the melody what i like about this piece is that it's so short it's like 20 seconds it's really really short but he jam packs it with so much interesting things like interesting melodies and like musically like a lot of great things happening that it definitely doesn't get repetitive because you really want to hear it again it's like oh that was so great i want to hear that again you yeah know? i remember the, there's one track that i made in uh my that dear mario album the one that was i made like a the kind of ice world like map theme which to me felt a little bit kind of zelda like i remember being inspired by themes that were like of this length uh, that koji made where it was just like it can be a short song it can be very melodic and it needs to feel effortless and like you almost want it to go back into the loop i was just for some reason i'm just my mind's kind of firing on all cylinders listening to this music it's very imaginative but wouldn't it be cool you know how now we're seeing all these d makes these mega man 9 shovel knight these old school games what if nintendo made a game and koji kondo did an old school 8-bit soundtrack that would just be incredible i mean Sorry I, i'm waiting for something up, I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for something like that in the zelda series just so as far cool. as like a 16-bit style thing but i mean Can hey imagine... one of my favorite games of the past year was uh zelda link between worlds which was that's like a, a sequel to this yeah. game in the exact same world so many great remixes well, and one and thing that i think is um is very kind of promising is that david wise talked so much in our interview about how nostalgia is a very important emotion for nintendo that's something that when he was working with Nintendo, he realized that they really care about nostalgia. So yeah. I would how think of how well that would sell if Nintendo made an eight bit Zelda game with Koji Kondo composing music. Oh my that god, that would sell so much. So, anyways, folks, sorry to even bring that up. That's my dream. Let's move on to a really cool track called "The Silly Pink Rabbit." <laughs> Another genius short loop video game piece by Koji Kondo. This is the Silly Pink Rabbit. Yeah, Will's really right. He was saying how this is so reminiscent of other themes from games such as Yoshi's Island. It just Mario this 3D. era, this era of Koji Kondo is maybe my favorite. Well, he he had great training working on the NES for being able to use an economy of notes. And all of this, I mean, you have the but the main hook, that main riff, is just two harmonized pitches. But they're moving in parallel. I don't know if they're like a fourth or a sixth apart. But it's such a, a compelling interval to be moving in. And I don't know. No, it's like you, you're able to get so much out of the harmonization. You don't need of that. any more voices. Yeah, like it's I don't so want brilliant. any more. If you added another voice, it would just get in the well, way. Because even the melody is a great. 
um, little melody. But you have there. that harmony, but with when it. it's harmonized, you just it, it feels so expansive, and that's it's due to his teaching. Like you could simplify this to eight bit, just maybe have the triangle going and have those two pitches. I mean, so good. That's he got so much experience doing that stuff in the eight bit world. This for me, another track that was slightly overlooked in the past because it is so short and so simple. But this has always been, I don't know, just such a compelling moment. This is a really cool point in the game. It's actually the first time you ever travel to the dark world um it's there's a point in death mountain where you travel to the dark world and basically what happens to all the characters in this game when they get traveled in the dark world their shape gets horribly transfigured so link actually appears as a pink rabbit um and it's not until you get this i think it's a bracelet you have to get a special bracelet which allows you to maintain your shape when you travel in between the world that's so early for for a game to do that yeah and this is your first exposure to the dark world so it has a little bit of that tension first game to ever have a dark world i i, I mean Think i don't know how many the history behind it but that's such a that. nintendo convention yeah you know and Even so many metroid games prime like 2. metroid prime 2 has used that yeah. and it, it's been a huge convention in the zelda series to if not a dark world have sort of two alternate versions of an overworld that you travel between an ocarina of time you travel between two points in time in the future is essentially like a dark world right. and then you know, in the most recent Zelda game, Link Between Worlds, they had something called High Rule and Low Rule. That's cool. Um, well, but they always have stuff like that. The Twilight Realm and Twilight Princess. That's that's rad, man. Well, now the time has come, folks. It's time to move on to this week's track of the week. That is right. And this is a piece of music that we're such big fans of on the podcast. This is Dark Golden Land more commonly known as Dark World. Yeah, this is sort of the overworld in the Golden Land, in the Dark World. And it, you it's know, so, so good. What's so great is the two overworld themes, you have the, the Legend of Zelda theme, which is one mm-hmm. of the greatest pieces of music. And, and then, then you have this. this, which is also incredible. You know, there, it doesn't feel like a downgrade. So no, it's no, just no. as rewarding. The, almost the unfortunate thing is like being in the Dark World, um, what I like about it, it doesn't have like the tension of like, in Metroid Prime 2, that Dark World is very kind of bleak and there's a lot of dread there but here this song is so rousing and empowering it gets you amped up like being in the dark world because of it with that let's play the dark golden land
You guys are listening to Dark Golden Land. That's this week's track of the week from A Link to the Past. And yeah, Koji Kondo, so massively talented. One thing we were talking about when, when we were playing this track is I can't even imagine this being composed like by a human. It just feels like it's one of those themes that has always existed, just like in the world. I think that's the gift of Koji Kondo is his natural timeless melodies that you can't even imagine someone sitting down and writing this. It's well, just... like this is a section where I feel like the whole beginning part, I could seem like crafting a beautiful melody but here i get the impression this is just him doing a a thing like the b section i feel like i could honestly see him just the first time playing through doing that because he has such a knowledge he's a great piano player and he has such a knowledge of chords and harmonies and melodies so i i I get a sense that that's just a natural thing but that's one of the most appealing parts one thing i love about this track is this is almost the most linked to the pasty of any track he does so many tracks have the those kind of motives that keep going and modulating but this is almost most, I think it's obviously the best track in the game. It's well, the best example I love is of I feel that. The, also, that that rhythm there feels like it's coming out of necessity because the chords there feel so reminiscent to a lot of stuff that he does. So I, yeah. to me, it's like I think he wanted to do something different. So instead of having like or something like that, one thing I love about this piece is the rhythms. How everything does those triplets together. All those triplets are so epic. And when you hear it on the SNES, it's perfect. You know, so the rhythms are all exact. And I think that is just so powerful. Yeah, and just the way amazing. this piece starts really and just gets your blood going. so beautifully. Like, just when that melody comes in, I, it's just, I, I don't know. I'm always so satisfied when I'm listening to this piece. Like, just so many visions and memories. It's yeah. tied in with nostalgia. It's it's a decent piece of music. It's, uh, yeah. it's okay. I, I mean, don't I don't know. mind I, it. Let's move on now. Uh, I want to live in this guy's brain. It's let's just move great. on to um, definitely one of the most famous pieces of music to ever come out of the Zelda series. This piece was even featured in a movie. This was in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. If you guys remember, it's such a classic part in the very beginning of the movie when they think he's going to the bathroom and all of a sudden you hear this fairy fountain theme playing and all of a sudden it turns into, I think it's a little bit, an orchestra starts playing it, right? The and choir it's just, sings it. I actually. think that was a moment for me and I remember sitting in the theater with you and smiling that Koji Kondo is so important to pop culture. And uh, let's play that but it's piece. Almost like, this... It's almost beyond pop culture. It's just like such a timeless thing. It's, it's more than that. Yeah, it's like important to I, music again, history. I at can't this remember point. it being not around. I feel like it's always existed. This is The Goddess Appears, which is a, a different version of the Fairy Fountain theme. Pretty much the same thing, but it has a, like a couple second intro to it. So let's play The Goddess Appears. You're listening to The Goddess Appears, also known as the Fairy Fountain theme. Uh, the first time you hear it in the game is is without that intro, and that's, I believe, the password of the file select theme. And then you hear it. When does this come in the game, when you hear this version, Will? Um, this version, it's whenever you enter any sort of, of the fairy kind of caves. There's pools and there's fairies, and then uh, there's a few points in the game where sort of a great fairy or a magic fairy can update your abilities or your weapons. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so those are the points you hear. Yeah, the only difference is you don't have that sort of harp intro in the beginning, but that theme, not only is it played uh, in the file select and when you sort of type in your name, it's also played every time you fall in battle. And also, every single subsequent Zelda game has the file select, has that same theme. So now, yeah. I feel like for a lot of people, this is the theme they hear more than anything in the Zelda series because every single game they get right away, they're probably going to hear this theme again. Exactly. Yeah. It's just so brilliant. There's really not, I feel like it's insulting to talk too much about it because it's just, it speaks for itself. Really. Well, we've spoken about it. It's one of those melodies where every note of the arpeggio is just as essential to being part of the melody. But if you yeah. take those top notes, it's also so compelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you guys haven't seen Scott Pilgrim, you should see that movie. It's just a great movie, but the, the way it's used in that scene is so cool. It's just yeah. a smile-inducing moment. Let's now move on to a track called Black Mist. And what's this track also yeah, known this as well? Is, uh, I think the, on one of the soundtracks, they called it like Dark Mountain Forest. Right, but this right, is essentially right. just in, uh, the Death Mountain when you're in the Dark World. It's okay. cool because it's, like, it's the only part of the overworld um, where it has a different theme playing. Right. So let's take a listen to Black Mist, composed by the wonderful Koji Kondo. You guys are listening to Black Mist, also known as Dark Mountain Forest. This is a piece that when Will last year, I think it was last year or two years ago, we went to Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddesses, an orchestral concert, and they played this live. And uh, Will, do you want to talk about how exciting that was for you to hear this live? Well, this is probably like one of my other favorite pieces in this game. And uh, on the 25th anniversary soundtrack CD with the orchestral um, remixes and medley. This wasn't on there, was yeah, it? Yeah, they featured the um, the Dark World theme, which was done so well. But this is always one room. Like, this is of that same caliber. I'd love yeah. to hear this. And when we went to that concert, I remember they played this and the ending and staff roll theme, which, which are so also two of my yeah. other favorite pieces of Yeah, this of game piece music. really so exists in a similar world, in a similar creative mind space as Dark World. It really is so similar. And it's really maybe slightly behind it is maybe the next piece in the game. I think this is such a strong confident theme yeah to me the, melody's so good. the harmonies so good. are so powerful it's just brilliant yeah i just can't say enough about that piece i think now it's time to move on to kind of a more scary piece this is dungeon of shadows from a link to the past Thank you. 
You guys just listened to Dungeon of Shadows from A Link to the Past. Yeah, I really think it's um, definitely a turning point because, you know, let's say you, you grew up with a Nintendo and you just bought this Super NES. Hearing the really kind of slow and subtle decays of these string instruments really is something that wasn't possible, obviously, on the NES. Not only are, do they sound kind of like strings, but you're hearing the kind of the reverberance and the slow decay of those instruments, and that's really kind of getting your imagination running wild. This yeah. is a really interesting piece. I love this piece because if you just focus on the lowest voice of that um, ostinato and then the melody, it's actually not all that dissonant. But what's great is it's constantly playing like a tritone. Like yeah. it's so dissonant, but it's also at a quite enough volume. You are able to appreciate the beauty of the melody. Um, but yeah, the tritone is, also it known does as feel uh, a little atonal at times. But it, again, it's like with so much thought and intention and it never feels like random or frustrating like it's still kind of a, a catchy it's, theme but it it's fits dark the and scary tone. the tritone also known as the devil's interval right you yeah. know for any of you that aren't familiar with that term a long time ago like that used to be avoided at all costs because it was associated with the devil right and now that they, was in a time when that was a big no-no <laughs> yeah and now that, that now they use that all the time i mean that's like pretty much the the origins of jazz music is really trying to have as much tritone you know the five seven that's but that's i mean it, it's in the never like going. unmasked like this this never mm-hmm. just like parallel tritone tones alone it's always like it's in between a progression where like when you think of the classical era not only did they like avoid intervals like this they wouldn't even have it disguised yeah. in more extended chords one interesting question is like i wonder what's the genre of music that has the most like extreme out in the open uses of the tritone obviously something like this in sort of film score where it's trying to sound demonic but where also purposely there's a lot it. of use of it in metal like in really kind of dark yeah. death metal that's obviously that's not why surprising sometimes i feel like metal like a lot of the bands they try to act like they're it's like music of like this sort of legendary origin exactly i think that's where it comes from because the tritone is such a Mm -hmm. it's such a primitive interval Mm -hmm. um it almost feels like before classical music in a sense now let's play a really interesting piece i like this a lot this is ganon's message yeah this is one of my favorites What an effective piece of music. You're listening to Ganon's message. Yeah, this and is Ganon's theme. Yeah, basically. it's such a moody, atmospheric piece of music that really just like, ooh, it's creating these ominous well, The way that it's used in this game is perfect. Like the first time you hear it, I think, uh, you might hear it earlier, but the first time you really hear it in full is right before you're about to face Ganon, and he has sort of a long string of dialogue that he says. And it's so effective because this is used throughout the rest of the series. This is the theme of Ganon. They might even use it in Skyward Sword. Oh, Ganon's wow. not even in that game. Uh, but it's so ominous, and the melody is so perfect. I love how it climbs. And my favorite thing is the left hand or the, the bass part is just staying doing that one and five, never oscillating. Dun, 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 dun. Never, like, it's like ignoring the changing What's so interesting is this is a piece that, for me is so linked to these samples that 
Um, obviously, I, I must have heard other versions of it later on in the series, but I feel like this is the definitive version of that theme. Just hearing it with those samples, it's just so it perfect. It is funny because you only hear this once in the game. This isn't like a... This is one of those themes where I remember the first time playing through this game, I'm like, oh, this is from Link to the... This is another theme where it's well, like, oh, this is from Link to the I think that's funny because past. for me, it's not any less you know, heard than any, because to me, I think of because this I'm only Ocarina. listening to the soundtrack. You know what I'm saying? So I've mm-hmm. heard this almost as much as a lot of the other tracks. So oh, that's, that's, so that's effective. cool. One Let's the now points. play the very next piece you'd hear in the game. And by the way, that's the way that will wanted to order this plot, this playlist is chronologically how you'd experience the game. Yeah. So the next thing you hear is the battle with Ganon. This is the Prince of Darkness. is the prince of darkness uh this is the final battle with ganon uh some of the most uh, signature things significant about this uh the seven eight time signature very classic but the way that he used it just sort of that underneath arpeggiated i don't know it accents the seven eight in a way i'm not familiar yeah, with yeah like- I know I've said this before, but again, this is really where it all comes from for final boss music. How many final boss themes have that 7-8 meter, have that kind of progressive, almost like prog, jazzy, slash film score vibe? Maybe they'd add a drum kit later on, but like this is so influential to final boss music. But it's like, it's it's different than the way that I hear 7-8 being used a lot in film score, which is just like accenting every single subdivision, like... Maybe for modern stuff. Like I hear that a lot in like film score, but with this, like the way that it climbs, it almost feels more organic. That do I do hear that kind of stuff in other video game final bosses. Yeah, very cool. Now let's move on to another very famous piece of music. This is Princess Zelda's Rescue. Here we go. guys are listening to princess zelda's rescue and this theme um is kind of just known as princess zelda's lullaby right well 
that's what it's called in Ocarina of Time. And the difference is in that game, you hear it uh, right at the beginning. And so mm-hmm. I think that's why it's more known for being in that game. And this, the, the final section of it, is so rewarding in this game because you only hear it after you've rescued Zelda for the final ah. time. Because this is something you, you hear the beginning of that theme every time you rescue one of the maidens from the castle. Uh-huh. But the first time you hear this final section, it's so rewarding because there's been so much... You know, pent up pent energy up in this song. That's a great. But this is point. one of the best melodies he's ever written. It's Absolutely. another one like Kakariko Village, so lullaby like. I think it's even better. Oh yeah, than this that is piece. Just, this is better. Such a unique melody, and ugh. This it, has always been oh, one of my favorites you cry. in the Zelda series. Whenever I, I think I first actually heard this in Ocarina, obviously, because I didn't spend a lot of time with this game. I mean, that's where um, most people know it from. Yeah, most people know it from that. But yeah, so powerful. Um, I, I actually remember in college, someone did uh, kind of a theme and variations on this Zelda's lullaby theme, which is really interesting. Yeah, so this is another thing, like, as far as, like, pop culture, as far as, like, the average person, like, this is so important to so many people. So yeah, I think now it's time to move on to, oh, I love this track. This is one of my favorites of the soundtrack. A lot of people know this is the Triforce Chamber, but the the actual official name is Power of the Gods. Yeah, and so basically what's cool about this is this is right at the end. After you've defeated Ganon, you go into the Triforce Chamber where the Triforce is. It's one of the, actually one of the only times in the series where you, you know, collect uh, the pieces of the Triforce at the end. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of the message of the gods kind of speaks to you while it's playing this theme. It's and it's such very a great theme. ethereal, but also kind of triumphant and brassy. It, it's really fantastic. Let's take a listen to Power of the Gods. That is so emotional and beautiful. I really like the performance style rhythms. He's trying to make it feel like it's performed and that it's not something that you put into the sampler. Very rubato. Yeah. This is one of my favorite pieces. It's so beautiful. One thing that I think is so cool is this piece, like so many pieces of the game, has some very similar chord progressions and chord sequences. I think that is what he was trying to create. That's kind of the sound of A Link to the Past for me, is that very signature chord movement of having kind of that, I don't know, succession of modules chords that go back and forth. And, and I think that I like, it's, it's a so very, effective. It's a very big orchestral sound, this soundtrack, but it's also kind of limited. You know, he uses a lot of the same instruments. It almost sounds like a chamber yeah, orchestra. Yeah. What I like about it, it's like it, it gets you to sort of have an affinity for these instruments. It gets you familiar with it. But I think this piece is one of the... Another example. I mean, it's hard. I keep saying this, so I, it kind of becomes irrelevant. Yeah, broken records at this it's point. It's one of the best melodies. It's but really they're good. they're all some of the best <laughs> yeah. melodies. It's just... Yeah. This one is so effortless. Just the way it sings. Yada, yada, da, da, da. I love the interval it starts on, and I 
really love all the intervals that the melody kind of rests on. It's all the most kind of extended interesting kind of points in the song you know we have the um, major seventh and the ninth and you if know, i'm all not mistaken i think so this unique. melody is doubled with a piano sample and strings i think if i'm not mistaken it kind of sounds like it that sounds like it also sounds like it could be like a harp but mm-hmm. uh yeah just beautiful so good and i think the other thing that he does to make it feel rubato is sort of that the um the strings underneath are coming mm-hmm. in a little late and da, da, da. but then also the second half of it comes in a little bit early so right, it gives right sort of a sense of push and pull which yeah, again it would be so hard to do uh, when it's programmed and, and there also, is no like it's important to think about where it is in the game the fact that it's so close to the end the fact that he's having one more piece that that's just like tugging at your heartstrings like i feel like you're just going to be crying bawling yeah. at the well, end of this game and what's great is like the 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 next theme that we hear and we'll hear it in due time is much more kind of rigid and march like what's great about this it really feels ethereal it feels like the otherworldly power of this Triforce because yeah. it doesn't feel like it's um, bound to any kind of rhythmic grid. It's very it open feels and like free. you can't even understand a time signature or a tempo. It's and so the fact that the melody is not within these more kind of tonic sounds. You know, it's very you know using a this lot would of have been the a, more dissonant a good intervals. choice for our human touch episode actually too. Yeah. So, oh, anyways, really guys, beautiful. now it's time to play the two main ending pieces of music, and they're both very long. So let's play about half of it, and then let's kind of fade it down a little bit and kind of talk while the while it finishes it off. So the first one is Epilogue, Beautiful Hyrule. So yeah, this is sort of the ending cutscene after you collect the Triforce. It shows you all the characters that you meet in Hyrule and what happens to them. Let's take a listen. is such a triumphant piece of music. You guys are listening to Epilogue Beautiful Hyrule from Link to the Past, composed by Koji Kondo. Powerful. 
And yeah, great point, Will. You know, think about how different of an emotion the Triforce Chamber was compared to this. I this love this really melody coming up here. An essential piece in this game. Oh yeah, this is beautiful. Oh, it's so soft and pretty. It. And yeah, what's cool is you feel like it's looped, but it actually hasn't. You know. And this is such an epic and important game. Like it's great. You almost get two ending themes. You do get two. This two would be very good long ending if themes. This was the whole credits, but then they're once both the like staff four minutes long too. In, what I love is this is more kind of triumphant and rousing, and it almost feels like something from like a Mario game. It does. You know, it's very classical and it's so beautiful but the staff roll is much more sparse it's much more subtle sweet it's almost yeah. like a, a cry word i remember this is another song that i remember crying at the it's first so time I heard interesting it. that he made That's both seven. of these pieces of music so long like i wonder if that was his choice or someone else's choice that okay i really want to have very long emotional like two sections of this ending well, because it, it isn't, like, this is sort of, there's not credits at this point. This is like, um, it's sort of a story moment. It's like okay. a cutscene. It shows you all the characters in the world and how things have been fixed since Link right, got right, the Triforce. Right. I guess there are a lot of games. There's a lot of games in this era, especially after this, that did that kind of thing, you know, yeah. where they have an epilogue. Ugh, it's so great. Let, let, let's fade this up when we yeah, hear the end of it. Yeah, let's listen to the very ending of this epilogue here. That's an ending. Perfect, yeah. But similar not to how he ends Star Fox 64, which is yeah. another one of my But still not the endings. very ending of the game. I think we need to move on to the actual ending, right? Yeah, and the way we think about it, imagine that, and then it does go straight into this, and then we have the staff roll. So let's take a listen to the staff roll.
Wow. Um, I can't imagine not having a very strong emotional response to this if you're a fan of the original Zelda. Or even not, just playing through the game. But especially at this point, hearing this theme in this context, oh my gosh, it's just, it stops you in your tracks. Even for me, not ever really playing these games, being familiar with that, thinking about it, it almost brings a tear to my eye. And Will was saying that there was a moment in this staff role when he was a kid that it made him cry. And I think this is the kind of very indulgent emotional territory that Koji Kondo does quite a bit in this era but really not ever after well i feel that. like he doesn't he doesn't go into it at this level where it's just such a slow ballad and he's really like slobbering over the melody and i love <laughs> that he doesn't do it because a lot of times it just it's really fast moving stuff that's so pretty but it's like when he does this i mean it he also can just reminds tug me at your heartstrings lesser extent but a little bit in the credits of yoshi's island a little bit yeah but yeah, um, this is one of the so most powerful. powerful experiences in gaming to me, having this theme. Because mm-hmm. like you're, you were saying, you know, it's such a classic at this point, And it's like, it shows how far video games have come. But also the thing that works is even if you hadn't played the original, this theme is in the game. It's it all is in over the, the overworld. So it's such like, a different you context, don't need though. to have played the game to yeah. have that kind of nostalgic feeling. No, that's so true. And really, this is the most epic and emotional ending you could have composed for this game. So yeah, I, I love Koji Kondo in this territory. I think kind of like the previous one. Let's fade this back up and listen to the very ending of this staff roll. Here we go. That's how you do it, folks. That is how it's done. That is all the music we're going to play today from Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past, composed by the legend himself, Koji Kondo, the legend of Koji Kondo. Yeah, we had such a great time exploring this soundtrack. It was, for us, a really long time coming. Really, maybe the best soundtrack that we've had a spotlight on so far and it's nice that we've saved it up uh, for so long in the podcast. And we look, there's so many other great soundtracks we want to spotlight on in the future. That's personally some of my favorite times on the podcast because context is very important. So when you hear these tracks back to back, you start to really understand kind of the themes that Koji Kondo was dealing with while composing. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. The other thing that was nice about this is I, I didn't have to work too hard putting together this soundtrack because, I mean, there's so much great music, but it's also, it's it's not long enough where I had to cut things that would really, like, Yeah, we only me. had to cut a few things. You know, like, if yeah. this was, like, a 90-track soundtrack, I wouldn't be able to do it. Like, it would just pain me because there's so many incomparables. But it's nice. I was able to, you we know, played get rid about of a lot like, of the short themes and some Yeah, we of played the, about, like, 22 tracks, and I think there's only 30 total, and a lot of those are jingles anyway, so. And and some of them are, are like, you, like, we have the item shop theme, like, the da 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 there's a lot of stuff like that that that's really cool but um obviously we didn't well yeah thanks guys so much for joining us on episode 122 a link to the past once again want to remind you guys if anyone's interested in helping us out you know we do kind of have some fees that we pay out of our own pocket for this podcast and for our website we do have a donate button on our podcast page on the right hand side if you're interested we'd greatly appreciate that also want to give a quick shout out to fire flower the musical that me will and marty are in this summer and you can find the link to that indiegogo page for more information feel free to like us on facebook follow us on twitter and subscribe to our youtube channel thanks so much for listening guys my name is carl brueggemann and i'm will brueggemann and stick around the upcoming weeks we've got some great stuff and uh later this summer we're gonna have some cool kind of new music projects that will reveal themselves and be released so we have a lot of stuff that we're excited about so thank you so much guys have a great week peace out (laughs) 